Good morning, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. I'm so glad that you've joined us this morning. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm looking forward to diving into our uh, teaching series where we've been talking about how to have stronger faith. And I'm really hoping that throughout this series, you've been encouraged, you've been challenged, maybe God has spoken to you, and, and he's been trying to move you to a place where your faith is growing stronger. And in just a few moments, moments, we're going to dive into a message where we're going to talk about overcome and how I can have stronger faith as I overcome the tough times and, and the, the hard times in my life. And it's going to be a great day. Uh, before we begin, I want to encourage you to do all the things that we do with social media. You know, make sure that you're liking our page. Make sure that you're uh, subscribing to the page. Make sure that you're hitting that sub notification bell so that you can be alerted when the next message comes out. And uh, if, if it's available on the platform you're listening to or watching on, be sure to leave us five stars. All that kind of stuff helps this ministry grow, helps this uh, message grow, helps our online teaching time grow. And another way that you can help us grow is if something that's said today is a blessing to you. I want to encourage you to share it with somebody. Send it as a, a private message. Send it, uh, onto, uh, post it on your page or share it somewhere. I want to encourage you to share these messages because in doing that, you can help us be a blessing to the people in your life. And so we want to do that. We want to be a blessing to them and we want to be a blessing to you. And we want to see the word of God grow and go out there so that more and more people will be able to find that they have an opportunity to have strong faith themselves. And so let's Let's, let's begin this morning uh, with a time of prayer. Oh, I almost forgot. Uh, just want to mention that at the end of today's message, we're going to have a chance, uh, a little uh, Lord's Supper service. Um, we're going to have a chance for you to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. And so if you want to prepare, if you want to get ready for that, grab some bread, some crackers, grab some juice, some grape juice if you have it. And so you could celebrate the Lord's Supper with us at the end of the service. We're going to have like another... Uh, well, I'm going to move into a time where we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So just uh, keep that in mind. Well, that said, let's go, to, let's go to God and pray. Let's pray that he will help us overcome, uh, help us learn to overcome, help us to have stronger faith and, and learn to have that overcoming faith as, uh, as, as we grow even through our tough times. And I know some of you are probably going through some tough times, and so I want to pray for you, and let's pray uh, for, for our overcoming faith today. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, I just want to pray for all those who are joining us now. God, uh, there's a wide variety of faith struggles. There's a wide variety of, of tough times represented by all the people who are joining us today. God, some have very serious tough times. Some have, uh, ha- have just uh, an accumulation of little things that have all added up to create tough times. And, and God, I know that uh, all of us will have times that are, that are tough in our life. And, and in those times, God, we want stronger faith. And, and I pray that today you will speak to us a message about how to be overcomers when we face those tough times how to grow stronger in faith, how to hold on to you in faith in those tough times. God, we thank you that you have 
endured tough times, the tough times of the cross, the tough times of uh, reaching out to us continually, even when we have turned our back, even when we've walked away. And we thank you, God, for enduring the tough time of drawing us back to yourself and doing all you could to make it possible for us to know salvation, to know relationship with you, to know, to know faith in you. God, I pray that you will help us to learn to overcome like Jesus overcomes. And I pray that you will just bless each one who's here. Help God, help give strength and help give faith and help give a, a, a direction to overcome in all of our trials. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, I want to dive into this message together where we're going to talk about uh, having a faith that overcomes, having a, a, a faith and a strength that overcomes. We're, we're talking about this idea of growing in our faith, and we've been in this series where we've talked about different things that we can do to grow in our faith, things like uh, trusting in Jesus, things like obeying Jesus, things like persevering and enduring. And today, we're going to talk about overcoming and, and just overcoming the obstacles and overcoming the odds and overcoming the tough times that we might face. I came across a story of professional golfer Paul Azinger. He was diagnosed with cancer when he was 33. He just won the PGA Championship and had 10 tournament victories to his credit. And he wrote that when he was diagnosed that a, a genuine feeling of fear came over him. He said, I, I could die of cancer. And then another reality hit me even harder, he said. I'm going to die eventually anyways, whether from cancer or something else. It's just a question of when. Everything I'd accomplished in golf all of a sudden became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do, he said, was to live. And he remembered something that one of his Bible study leaders had said during a Bible study. And, and here's what he said. He said, Zinger, uh, we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying trying to get to the land of the living. That's just a, a phenomenal thought, a phenomenal idea. And he said that when he thought about that, that when when he recovered from his chemotherapy, he returned to the PGA Tour that he'd done pretty well. But, but that bout with cancer had deepened his perspective. He wrote, I've made a lot of money since I've been on tour and I've won a lot of tournaments, but that happiness was always temporary. The only way you can ever have true contentment is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying nothing ever bothers me and I don't have problems. But I feel like I've found the answer to the six foot hole. And of course, he's referring to dying and and dying can be one of those tough times, right? Facing death or facing cancer or facing a, a health crisis. And, and that pro golfer, he hit a hole in one with that thought, didn't he? Uh, he was right on target. He found the answer to overcoming and it's Jesus Christ and his word. And the question I have this morning as we go through this message is what is it that helps you? 
you when you face life's challenges? Where do you turn for help? Where do you turn for strength? Where do you turn for answers? And where do you turn to overcome the tough times? And and where do you turn when you need stronger faith? Well, this morning, I want to take you to the story of a overcomer. His name is Joseph, and his story is going to last 14 chapters in the book of Genesis. He sort of takes a center stage in the books of book of Genesis. He gets a lot more attention than a lot of other characters in the Old Testament uh, or in the book of Genesis gets. And, and you will see Joseph, if you were to follow his entire story, that, that he will go through all kinds of setbacks and obstacles and challenges, and he truly is an overcomer. We're, we're going to talk about some specific things about his story. We're not going to go through his entire story and everything that happens to him, but this morning we're going to focus on one of his really, really low moments. You see, Joseph was from a big family, and it had big family problems. He was the, his father's favorite son, and he had 12 brothers, or he was one out of 12 brothers and his dad favored him, gave him special gifts, made him singled out. And, and, and that, along with Joseph, being a little snarky and being a little bit of that, uh, you know, he had some attitude. He, he tried to, to one-up his brothers all the time. And what he found was that his brothers absolutely hated him. And one day after uh, Jacob, the father, who we talked about last week, one day the father sent them out to work in the fields. And when they went out to the fields, the brothers decided that they had had enough of of this young man and they wanted to get rid of him. And so they plotted to kill him. They, they beat him up and they debated about how they were going to kill him and dispose of him. And, and then they decided not to kill him, but they ended up selling him to uh, into slavery to some to some merchants who were coming by, and so they beat him up, sold him as a slave, and he was taken to Egypt, a land that he did not know, and the boys then returned home, told their father he was dead. And just when you think it can't get any worse for this guy, what happened to him next was he was taken into Egypt, he was made a slave, and as a slave, he had he had a a slave owner who had a wife that wanted to uh, use him for her pleasure, but he wouldn't do it because he knew that was wrong. Well, instead of just dealing with it, what she did is she accused him wrongly of trying to seduce her, and he was thrown into prison. He, he was thrown into prison, and he was forgotten for years and years. And, and now I don't know if you could think of a lower moment. I mean, think about this for a minute. Uh, This young man, his brothers, decide to kill him and change their mind to sell him into slavery. He's taken by slave traders to a foreign land where he doesn't know the language, where he's alone. He's forced into being a slave and a household servant. And then from there, uh, he's wrongly accused and thrown into prison where, where he's there basically to rot, to be forgotten. Nobody's thinking of him, his own father 
father thinks he's dead. He really has nowhere to turn. But we will see in the story of this young man named Joseph, we will see that he has this faith that overcomes his situation. He has a a faith that overcomes the, the tough times that he faces. And Joseph's story will become a reminder for us that that Jesus is with us and that we can continue to have faith in him and grow in faith in him, that we can have overcoming faith in him as we face our own tough times. Look what it says helped Joseph in the scriptures. In Genesis 39 verse 21 it says this, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him faithful love. The Lord was with him and showed him faithful love and and I would be willing to guess that there are some of you who maybe you're here this morning, you're joining us online and and you're here and you sort of understand Joseph and the way he feels. You feel like there's times where things couldn't be worse. You feel like you things in your life could hardly get worse. You feel trapped. You feel stuck. You feel like you're in some sort of prison of your own. You feel like the obstacles that are ahead of you, the tough times that are ahead of you are overwhelming, and maybe you feel a little bit alone. You feel like you've been betrayed by someone. You've been hurt by someone. Maybe you feel like your life is crumbling apart you feel imprisoned and maybe it's a prison that you've created by your sin or or maybe it's a prison of debt or a prison of addiction or a prison of depression or a prison of loneliness and and you're here today and I want to encourage you that that you can go through this time and be an overcomer and you can go through this time and know that Jesus is with you and and that uh, he wants to help you grow in faith through these tough times. And and I want to use the message of Joseph today to be an encouragement to you. Uh, this message is a message that's encouragement for us all. No matter how bad things get, no matter what tough times or dark times or lonely or hard times you might be walking through, Jesus is there. Jesus is faithful. He keeps his promises to you. Uh, Jesus is faithful. He's with you in your prison and if you will have faith in him, he will make you stronger and help you overcome. And I want to make sure, though, that uh, as we go through this teaching today, that uh, we don't leave you with a misunderstanding. I want to make sure that I I don't leave you with the impression that we're teaching if you just have faith that overcomes, that you'll be able to overcome everything in your life by yourself and that everything in your life is going to turn out just the way you want it to or go back to the way it was before or that it's all going to have the happiest of possibilities at the end of the story. There's a happy ever after that's going to happen for you. I don't want to give you that idea of like that Disney cartoon ending, right? Uh, I I don't want to give you that idea that that everything ends on a happy note. I mean, sometimes the stories of our lives might not end in this life on that happy note, although at the end of life, on the other side of life, like uh, like that pro golfer had said, uh, he had heard his 
his Bible study teacher teach him that we're not going from the land of the living to the dying. We're going from the land of the dying to the living. There is a happy ending at the end of that part of the story. But having faith doesn't mean that you're going to have like this prosperous, happy ending at the end of the story, even though Joseph's does. There's a lot of people in the Bible who had great faith, who had overcoming faith, who still had, you know, the end of their story was still a, a tough ending. You know, so people like Samson and, and people like David and, and people like, well, most of the apostles, you know, Peter and John and Paul. Uh, I mean, they, they had given their lives for Christ and even Jesus himself, you know, dying on a cross. He, he did raise from the dead and ascended to heaven, which is the ultimate goal, the ultimate experience, the ultimate happy ending we're looking for, which is heaven bound. But in this life, it might not always work out. Now, I say that, but Joseph, his story is going to end up ending on a high note. It's going to end up ending in a way that God will bless him in amazing ways uh, through this story. And so let's take a look at some of the things that we can learn from the story of Joseph as he's in his low moment. You know, uh, what are some things that we can take away that will help us be overcomers when we're facing our own tough times? Well, let me share with you some steps we can take to have overcoming faith. And the first one is this. Uh, I want to make sure that I take steps towards Jesus when I have tough times. Now, when I have tough times, obstacles will come into my life and challenges will come into my life. And and it could be so easy to to make one or the other choices. I could either walk away from Jesus during this tough time, or I can walk towards Jesus during this tough time. And unfortunately, as a pastor, I've seen a lot of people choose uh, that tough times come and, and they walk they walk away from Jesus. Well, I want to encourage you to use those tough times to help you walk towards Jesus, to remind you you need him, to remind you to, to draw close to him. Now, let's remember Joseph. He was thrown into prison unfairly. He was thrown into prison unjustly. He was wrongly accused. He was wrongly judged. And, and he was in the middle of one of the greatest challenges of his life. He's alone. There's no one to turn to. There's no one he can call up and say, hey, I need to talk or, or hey, I need help. There's no one. Uh, things look really, really bleak for him. And uh, the man who was his slave owner, it says this. He, he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. And don't forget, this isn't your modern idea of a, of a modern prison in the United States. There's no TV, there's no bed, there's no three meals a day, there's no workout room, you know, there's no, there's no going to the wreck area. This was a dungeon in another country style prison. In fact, this was probably one of the more secure, the more lonely, the the more uh, you, you know the harder prisons to be in because this was the where the king's prisoners went I mean I mean people didn't go there by the way and and they to to do some time and then come out no these kind of prisons were the kind where you went and you stayed and you never came out I mean that's unless you were put in there and then put 
put to death. This was just, this was a, a bad situation for him. And uh, he never would see daylight unless he was being put into forced slave labor or something like that. And, and so Joseph was in a tough place, but it's in the middle of this tough time that Joseph's faith will grow stronger. Uh, because when things seem to be working against him, he takes steps closer to God uh, and, uh, rather than away from him. And as things just get tighter, as things seem to hem him in, as loneliness comes together, as as trouble is, is mounting up, he's drawing closer to God in the midst of it. And when it comes to tough times, I, I think we could categorize our tough times into three main categories. Uh, in fact, studies have been done to show that these are the times that we really need to draw closer to God rather than away from him. These are these are times that are crucial for people as they make their decisions of faith, as they make their decisions to grow close to God. Uh, let me just share with you three times that we, tough times that we might have where we want to be careful to draw closer to God rather than away from him. The first one is this, times of tension. Times where there's tension, where where there's extra stress, times where uh, you feel extra pressure on your life, whether that pressure and tension is at work or at home or you're having some health struggles or financial tension, something is happening in your life and it's adding a stress level. And, and Joseph here, he has his share of tension. I mean, he has relationship tension with his family rejecting him, trying to kill him. He has he has uh, social tension as he he's being wrongly accused. He has he has tough times coming his way, and so uh, he's got this tension. As you can imagine, he was filled with stress. Well, then there's also times of trouble. There's times where it's not just tension, but it's real trouble coming our way. More than just stress, you have trouble coming your way. You, maybe you've gotten yourself in trouble, or, or maybe you're in trouble because of what someone else has done. Maybe it's a mix, and you're in real trouble, and, and you don't know what you're going to do. You just have trouble. You're in a tight spot. Well, Joseph has his fill of trouble, too. He's, he's been sold into slavery. He's in prison. He's literally in trouble for something he didn't do. And, and talk about trouble. You know, he's in a tough place. And, and finally, uh, times of transition. Uh, times where we're making a big change. Whether it's a transition to a new job, a transition to a new community, a, a transition to a new home. Uh, those times of transition, there are times where, well, they kind of sometimes bring together uh, the other two. Sometimes those times of transition can be a result of trouble or they can bring new trouble. Uh, they can bring stress and, and, and change is happening. And, and whenever there's a big transition happening in our life, those are tough times that where we need to really make sure sure that we are drawing close to Jesus and, and making sure we are we are drawing uh, close to him and holding on to him and taking steps towards him rather than away. And as you can imagine, you could see where it would be easy to take steps away from God. God, why aren't you helping me out of this trouble? Why aren't you stopping this trouble? Why aren't you working in this trouble? Well, let me tell you right there, he may be working 
working. You just may not see it yet. Just like he was in Joseph's story and, and Joseph's life, he was working and Joseph didn't see it yet. But it could have been so easy for him to just say, I'm walking away. I, I'm going to I'm going to go into darkness and bitterness and just live my life out here in this prison. But that's not what he did. What he did is he took steps towards Jesus. He grew closer to Jesus. He he made sure that he was holding on to Jesus and and he was going to go through this tough prison with Christ. He was going to go through this tough prison close to God. And, and I want to encourage you maybe somewhere as you're as you're joining us, I want to encourage you to write this thought down. This is sort of our big faith lesson for the day. And it's this, that my faith grows stronger when I turn to Jesus during my tough times. I have tough times, and I'm in a tough time, a time of trouble, tension, transition. And, uh, and my faith will grow stronger if I turn to Jesus as I go through this tough time. So that's number one. That's step number one as I take steps towards Jesus. And, and step number two is this, that, that I am going to, in the midst of my trouble, in the midst of my tough times, my tension, uh, trouble, transition, in the midst of those things, I'm going to actually find a way to serve someone in Jesus' name. Now, that sounds sort of opposite, right? A lot of times we get into our troubles and we're like, I need to focus on myself. I need to focus on my trouble. I need to focus on what's happening here. Well, as we see Joseph and he's in prison, something happens. He, he meets a couple other fellow prisoners, uh, uh, the personal cupbearer and the baker for the Pharaoh, who was the king of all Egypt at the time. And, and these two were thrown into prison. It seems like maybe there was an assassination attempt on Pharaoh and and they're trying to figure out who was responsible, and it was whittled down to the baker or the cup uh, cup bearer. The baker obviously would make the food for Pharaoh. The cup bearer would bring him his drinks, his wine, and often they would be responsible for tasting it first, make sure that uh, it's not poisoned or whatever. But uh, these two were in prison, and they seemed upset, and, and Joseph notices they're upset, and he talks with them, and, and he has a conversation with them about what's going on in their life and why are they so upset and if you look at what it says in Genesis 40 verse uh, verse 6 it says this when Joseph saw them the next morning he noticed that they both looked upset well why do you uh, look so worried today he asked them and it continues and it says this and they replied we both had dreams last night but no one can tell us what they mean well, interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. And, and so he said, go ahead and tell me your dreams. Did you pick up what Joseph did there? It says that he did a few things. If you, if you look at that verse again, it says that he noticed that they were worried, that uh, he asked them, you know, why are you so upset? And when, what happens is often when people start going through tough times is that they will make everything about themselves. They will become inward focused. They don't have time to serve others. They don't have time to think of others. They say, I need to focus on me and my growth and my problem. And they focus on their own tough times. Their life becomes all about them. Often, 
we don't realize is when we do that, things actually get worse. We give our problems all of our attention, and guess what? Our problems seem to grow. They seem to get bigger than they are. They can become to begin to overwhelm you more. They, and we, we give our problems all our attention, and, and sometimes that can help make us bitter about our problems, and we get angry, and we get scared. And, and on top of that, we add other problems because of that. And, and because you're looking inward, you might miss an opportunity to rise above your own problems, just like Joseph does here. Joseph, he, he even though he has his own problems, he notices what's going on in others. He, he notices a need in others, and he actually chooses to serve and to do something about that need. Because often in serving others, we're going to find God's solution to our own struggle. Joseph chose to serve, and ultimately that service will bring him out of his own prison. If he lets his problems make himself centered, he's going to miss God's blessing, but he doesn't do that. He notices, he asks, and then he says, okay, let's try to do something about your situation. And maybe this is a life lesson that God wants you to hear today. He wants to teach you today that when you're stuck in the middle of your problems, that sometimes it's better for you to get outside of yourself and to maybe serve someone else. And sometimes it's better for you to get unstuck out of your problem by by thinking about how you can bring the blessings of God or the blessings of Jesus into someone else's life. And it's in doing that that maybe God will refresh you. Uh, Proverbs will, in the Proverbs, Solomon will share us some special wisdom about what happens when we become the refreshment for others. He says this, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You ever feel like maybe you're a Joseph? You're in tough times prison. You're stuck. You feel like you're stuck in a job, stuck in debt. You're stuck in an unhealthy marriage. And and you don't know how things are going to get better. You're stuck in an unhealthy body. You're stuck in a stagnant relationship. And you can't get unstuck. Well, sometimes getting unstuck simply takes just looking at the world around you and noticing a place where you can help and and you can be used and noticing a place where you can make a difference. Now, years ago, I've referred to this before, it sort of was a big event for us here in Vernonia. In 2007, Vernonia had a flood and our community flooded or church flooded. Uh, it, it had a big impact on our church. And I watched people in the way that they dealt with their struggles and their crisis times and their tough times uh, of the flood. Some people were having a, a lot of elevated stress and so they were having tension. Some people were having real trouble. Their homes were flooded. They had to muck them out. Their, their, their community was flooded. It affected everybody and everything. Even if you didn't have a house that flooded, it still elevated tension and trouble. And, and, and there was even some transition. There were people who had to leave their homes and, and some people left them permanently and, and never came back. There were a lot of t- times of, of tension, trouble, and transition. And I remember as we went through that flood and 2007, I remember two people that really stood out to me in the way that they dealt 
with that flood. One of them was a fella who who really went uh, inside of himself, went inside of his own trouble, went inside of his own problems. Uh, he he was he was not uh, not gonna come out and help anyone else because he was so busy with his own problems, you know, and and so he really focused on himself, his own trouble, his own problems, and and, and he focused on his own his own home, his own trouble. And uh, in doing that, he became incredibly bitter. He was already somebody who was sort of uh, self-absorbed and sort of bitter. But boy, after that experience, there was no telling him about how, hey, this could have been a chance or an opportunity to to experience overcoming and and watching God work and help you through trouble. No, this was just a, a depressing time for him, an angry time for him, and a bitter time. And after all was done, this fella came out even more bitter than you can imagine. Well, then there was another guy that really stood out to me, and his name was Paul. And Paul was an elder at Vernonia Church at the time, and and Paul had his own uh, places. He had some rentals that were flooded, and he had uh, he had personal uh, personal property that was flooded, and and Paul had. Uh, a lot of his own tension, trouble, and transition all happening within the flood. But the difference in the way that the first guy dealt with it and the way that Paul dealt with it was that Paul, instead of focusing on himself, decided to focus on others. Paul focused on how he could serve others in the church. Paul focused on how the the church could help others and and help organize others and send volunteers. And and back then, uh, I mean, we had volunteers coming out our ears. We couldn't uh, we we couldn't find enough places to send people because we just had people from out of town, from in town, people from other towns and cities and other churches coming saying, how can we help? And we're sending hundreds of volunteers out. And Paul was a big part of making sure that he was putting others first and serving others because he really believed in the power of serving other people, even in the midst of your own trouble. And, and guess what? Even though Paul was focusing on others, unlike that other individual who focused on himself and and found himself even having a hard time keeping up because Paul focused on others, he found that others were blessing him. And and Paul ended up being blessed by all the people that wanted to help him, by by all the being inundated with with helping hands to help him with his issues and his struggles. And, and, And he even tried to stop people from helping him, but he couldn't stop them because they wanted to help him because he was such a servant and one of the things I learned from Paul Paul's passed away now and and uh, I did tell him these things before he passed away but one thing I learned from Paul was Paul had just this attitude of you serve you serve and serving helps you grow you serve and serving helps you move forward and, and and I watched him do that I watched him serve in the church and serve other people while he was serving, helping his wife go through years and years and years of cancer treatment and being bedridden and, 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 and taking care of her. I watched him serve and worship and help lead worship during a time where, where he was struggling with his own struggles at home. And he was even starting to come down with Parkinson's, which eventually ended up uh, taking him from us. But, uh, but all the way, all, uh, right up until he 
couldn't serve at all. His body just wouldn't cooperate with it. Paul was a servant through and through, and he believed in the power of serving. And, and you see two different people responding to the same big crisis in two different ways. One of them came out bitter, and the other one came out blessed because he was willing to step outside of his own problem and help others. And sometimes that's right where God wants us. When we're in the middle of it, don't uh, guard yourself. Maybe that's what God's challenging you to do. Guard yourself from thinking of yourself only and start to think about how can I bless others? Well, well that brings us to the next one. And the next thought is this. The, the next step in overcoming is to make sure I stay sweet in Jesus and not sour. So often what can happen is in the midst of our transition trouble and and uh, and and tensions we can become bitter we can become angry we can sour and and the bible will teach us that when we feel that sense of bitterness and anger and sour coming and coming up and boiling up and and becoming a reality in our life that we need to guard ourselves from that because that gives satan a foothold in our life and and, and the last thing we want to do is give satan a foothold in our life right in hebrews chapter 12 uh, Apostle Paul will write this, look after each other so that no one of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You don't want to have this in the church. You don't want to have this in your life. You don't want to have this in your family. Make sure that you don't allow a poisonous root of bitterness in you. And so what does Joseph do? Uh, Joseph, in the middle of this uh, crisis he has, he helps the the, the cupbearer and he helps the bread maker more so the cupbearer because i think it's found out that the bread maker was the one who really did did wrong and and he ends up uh, it ends up being not good for him but uh, he asks these guys he says hey uh, I, i'm only going to ask you for one thing when I help you and I interpret your dream for you and I help you and, and it gets you out of this prison, I, I just want you to do this one thing. Just, well, just remember me. Remember what I've done here. Re remember how I helped you. That, that's all I'm asking you. Maybe, maybe mention, mention me. Uh, it, it, here's what he says in Genesis chapter 40, 14 to 15. He says, and please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you mention me to pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place where i was kidnapped from my homeland in the land of the hebrews and now i'm here in prison but i did nothing to deserve it and so what he says is listen i'm going to help you out and all i ask is that you just you know, you remember, and you mentioned me. And, and as often happens when we serve others, which, by the way, if you remember, we're serving them, not for their sake, but for ours. And if we, sometimes when we serve people for their sake and they're unappreciative of our service, it can kind of, it could, it might, might be tempting to go sour on the idea. And yet, that's exactly what happens with uh, Joseph. He, he's forgotten. He does all this for the bread maker and the, the cup bearer and they're let out of prison and, and things go really well for that cup bearer. But, uh, but both of them forgot Joseph. 
Neither one of them give him another thought. In fact, in verse 23 of the story, it says this, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Now, Joseph didn't ask for much. He just said, hey, remember me and mention me, but it never happened. And even after serving others, being forgotten uh, as the one who served, think about how easy it would have been for Joseph to be like, man, this is a bum game. I'm not doing that again. I'm not helping people again. I'm going to be bitter and I'm going to be angry. And I'm just going to think about number one from now on. Well, that's what happens often, isn't it? Uh, When we serve and we're forgotten. Because it happens all the time. We help people and they don't appreciate it. We help people or we serve people and they don't reciprocate. We, we help people and serve people and they forget us or they turn on us or, or it goes sour. And it can be tempting to go sour inside yourself. Have you ever known someone? They were betrayed. They were let down. They were disappointed. They were, they were disappointed by someone and instead of moving forward in their own faith, they... They got bitter. They got resentful. They got angry. Their faith shrank into a solitary prison of their own. And let me encourage you this morning. That's not who you want to be. You can move forward. You can let go of that bitterness. You can forgive the past. As long as you're looking with resentment and bitterness over your hurts, you're going to miss the opportunities that God might be putting right in front of you. And and so I want to encourage you to guard your heart from bitterness. It's important for us to remember that as we live life, there are going to be times where people that we rely on, people that we trust, people that we've helped, well, sometimes those people, they're going to let us down. They're going to disappoint us. Maybe they're even going to make some of our tough times worse than they were. And the temptation could be to get bitter, to say it's not fair, to get angry. And and often you're right. It isn't fair and and it's wrong. and, And you have actually reason to be angry but don't let yourself get bitter because when you get bitter and hold on to bitterness and hold on to unforgiveness you go into a deeper prison I want to encourage you to let go to be forgiving to let go of bitterness to move forward and to grow in faith say something like God I've been let down I've been let down again And God, I'm just going to rely on you and trust in you and give this situation to you. And I'm going to hold on to you in the midst of my troubles and my tough times. I want to encourage you, stay sweet, not sour in Jesus. The the next step is this, to settle in to Jesus' presence. Now, I can't help but think of Joseph's story without thinking of the idea of loneliness and, and what it must be to feel an incredible loneliness. I mean, we picture Joseph lonely because his family has rejected him. His father thinks he's dead. Lonely because he's in a country, in a place where he doesn't even know the language hardly. Or at least he, he didn't when he first got there. Lonely because he's a, uh, he was a slave. And lonely because he had no advocate, no one to, to stand up for him when he was wrongly accused. He's lonely and he's in a prison by himself. The only people that we're told he talked to uh, were let out of prison and completely forgot him and never gave him another thought. He's lonely. 
Uh, he, he's lonely. He's there with his own thoughts, and that's it. Can you imagine the loneliness he must have felt as he was there in that prison? And maybe you can relate because you feel lonely too. You've been lonely. Uh, you, you haven't you haven't really had the relationships that you've wanted. Sometimes maybe you're one of those people that you can be in a crowded room and still feel lonely because you just don't feel like there's anybody listening or there's anybody who understands. And, and you have this incredible loneliness. And sometimes facing life's tough times can make us feel lonely. It can feel like God is far away. It, it can feel like there's no one there thinking of us that, 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 that you're not close to God, you're not close to anyone, you're just alone. And Joseph never forgot that he wasn't really alone. In fact, he, he, never, he might have felt forgotten, but he knew that he wasn't forgotten. He may have been hurt, scared, but he knew that God was there. And Joseph somehow trusted God. He, he trusted God was in control in those damp, dark, dingy times in that prison. Look what it says in Genesis 39. It, it says this, But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. In, in other words, the truth is, even though you might feel like Jesus is far from you, uh, you can know that Jesus is with you. He's with you in your lonely prison. He's, he's with you wherever you are, no matter how alone you might feel at times. The feeling isn't necessarily the reality that Jesus is there, even if you don't feel like he's there, that Jesus is there. He, he said to us, I will never leave you. I, I will never forsake sake you. I like the way he says it in John chapter 14. In John 14, 18, he says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And remember, part of having faith in Jesus is trusting in Jesus and trusting what you know about Jesus to be true and trusting him to tell the truth. And, and here he says, I'll never leave you. I'm going to be with you and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there through your tough time with you. And, and even though you might not be able to see it or understand it or know why or why or how he's with you, you can know he is with you. And in your loneliest times, I want to encourage encourage you to turn to him who's unseen and to know you're not really alone. In Hebrews 11:1 1, it says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. We can't see him, but he's with us. We can't see him, but we can know his presence in the middle of of our deepest felt loneliness. Have you ever been in a place where you were really lonely? Maybe you're there now. I want to encourage you to turn to Jesus, to settle in to his presence. When I use that, that phrase, settle in, I was picturing the way that, you know, my daughters, when we're sitting on the couch, I'll put my arm around them and they'll settle in. You know, they'll, they'll kind of lean in, they'll settle in and, and, uh, and cuddle, you know. And, and, and it almost is the same thing, that there are times in our lives where we're lonely, we feel alone, no one understands, no one knows what I'm going through this tough time. And, uh, and in those times, we need to remember to go towards Jesus, and to, to remember to maybe see if we could serve someone, to remember that, uh, well, to, to remember to settle in to his presence.
to hold on to him and, and, and to know him and to love him and to be sure in the middle of it, we don't get bitter and we settle in to his presence. And so the last thought is this, the, number five, this, the fifth step is to see things with eternal eyes. Uh, I want to make sure that as I go through all my tough times, I have that thought in my head. I'm not going from the land of the living to the land of the dying. I'm going from the land of the dying to the land of the living. And sometimes we need to remember to focus our eyes on the land of the living, to focus our eyes on the land uh, that Jesus promises where there's eternal life, where there's no more sin, where there's where there's only God, only Jesus, where there's only eternity and perfection and goodness and uh, I mean those are the things that we want to focus our eyes on as we go through our tough times now Joseph doesn't know how all of this is going to work out he doesn't know what's going to happen here God does he knows the overarching picture and uh, he just trusts in God to work things out he, he trusts in God's word and as Christians we're called to do that too we're called to look to heaven, to focus our eyes on Christ, to, to focus our eyes on, on the author and perfecter of our faith and to keep our perspective on him. We're called to uh, seek righteousness. We're called to put first his kingdom. We're called to really put in our hearts and in our minds an eternal perspective. And so we, we see with eternal eyes. We look at our, uh, our troubles in this world and we say, well, there's eternity. And eternity is bigger than anything in this world. Now, in Joseph's case, uh, God will work things out even in his lifetime sometimes for us we have to wait <laughs> for that for that next life for all the blessings and sometimes we don't sometimes God will bring blessings and in Joseph's case God has a purpose and a reason and something he's going to do this was God setting the stage for Moses and the exodus and the things to come as he moves and shows his power and, and begins building the people of Israel up out of Egypt I mean Joseph being there is setting the stage for all that he he has a, a bigger a, a, a bigger redemptive story that's happening here. But in Joseph's life, what's going to happen is two years later, after he helped the cupbearer out, two years later he's still in prison and, and Pharaoh has a dream, and Pharaoh's upset by the dream. He can't figure out what the dream means. And and while he's having a conversation with the cupbearer, the cupbearer goes, Oh yeah. I had a dream too, and, and there was this guy, this Hebrew guy in prison that that was able to interpret it, and God gave him the interpretation, and everything happened the way he said it, and so maybe you ought to check that guy out. So Pharaoh uh, tells him to go get Joseph out of prison to bring him to him and they get Joseph out of prison and after all the years that he'd been in there he was uh, given a shave he was washed up and cleaned for the first time in a long time and and he's put some new clothes on and he comes before Pharaoh and and Pharaoh shares with him Pharaoh shares with him his dream and 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 Joseph tells him God can interpret it and he gets the interpretation from God and he shares with Pharaoh the meaning of the dream and and, and at this moment Pharaoh has uh, has been in the presence of a man who has been completely uh, alone and rejected 
and who could have had all the reason to give up, to call it quits, to turn on God, and yet he held on to it. And as he stands before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at the time. I mean, Egypt was the most powerful uh, kingdom, and, and Pharaoh was the most powerful man. And he's standing before Pharaoh, sharing with him God's word. And Pharaoh says, I like you. I need a guy like you uh, to help me. And not only does he bring him out of prison and free him, but he puts him into one of the most powerful positions in all the world at the time. He becomes, Joseph becomes this, this, this kid who was sold into slavery, who went to prison. He becomes the second most powerful man in the world as, as he becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man. In fact, it says in Genesis 41, uh, 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the land of Egypt. Uh, he basically makes uh, Joseph his his manager for all of the kingdom. And Joseph becomes blessed. Joseph becomes powerful. God puts him in a place to where he could bring about the rest of the redemptive story, which we're not going to get into this morning. But we see the idea that in spite of everything, Joseph held on to faith. He found ways to serve. He made sure he didn't go bitter. He, he, he snuggled in uh, uh, to the presence of God and and, and he comes out on the other side of this with incredible blessings because the whole time he had this eternal perspective in mind. And the Apostle Paul teaches us what it means to have this kind of eternal perspective. He, he teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and he says this, For our present troubles, remember our, our, our trouble, transition, tensions, all, all the tough times that we might face, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Well, what do you mean small? I mean, this cancer is going to take my life. Well, what do you mean small? I'm going through a, 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 a horrible divorce. What do you mean small? I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with incredible depression. What do you mean small? And, and you, how can you call my troubles small? Well, the Apostle Paul is calling them small in the perspective of all of eternity. You know, if you took all of eternity, and, and even if I had 80 years of suffering in this life, and I have faith in Jesus that overcomes, and I find myself resurrected with him into an eternal life without suffering, those 80 years were small compared to all eternity. And so that's what he says, have an eternal perspective. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Uh, and so what we do is we don't look to our troubles uh, that we can see now. So instead of focusing inward, instead of focusing my mind and my heart and all my thoughts on those troubles, which, by the way, usually results in bitterness instead of doing that i fix my gaze on jesus i fix my gaze on the things that cannot be seen for the things that we see now they'll be gone uh, 
but the things that we cannot see, they will last forever. So uh, what God wants us to do is to begin to have that eternal perspective. We're living in the land of the dying and we're going because of our faith in Jesus to the land of the living. And so how do I deal with tough times in a way that overcomes and in a way that will help my faith grow? Well, I I look at my troubles and I say, you know what? I'm going to seek Jesus in the midst of them. No matter what kind they are, whether it's trouble or tension or transition, I'm going to really focus in on Jesus and turn to him. I'm going to make sure that as I do that, I don't get bitter. I'm going to make sure that as I do that, I notice the needs around me and maybe in helping serve the needs around me. It will help me get out of myself. It will help me kind of maybe set the stage for something God wants to do in me. And and then I'm going to make sure that I really snuggle in, that I really settle in to the presence of Jesus, even when I'm feeling the most lonely in my life. And and I'm going to make sure that I have an eternal perspective that instead of focusing on my troubles, I'm going to focus on eternity. I'm going to focus on what Jesus promises and Jesus offers me. And I want to invite you right now to join me in moving into and transitioning into a time where we're going to remember uh, what Jesus has done for us. And we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And the Lord's Supper is a time where we focus in on those promises. We focus in on what Jesus has done to give us an eternal perspective. Jesus died on the cross for us. The gospel story and the gospel message says that God saw us in our brokenness. He saw all the trouble that we had in this world and almost all of it comes because of the brokenness of this world which comes because of the sin of mankind. Some of my troubles, in fact a lot of them, have been self-imposed because of my own sin and Jesus sees us in our brokenness and and he says, I'm going to help. So he comes into our world and he dies on a cross so that we could be forgiven. He offers to take the punishment and the penalty for our sin on the cross. And in order to do that, he had to live a perfect life. So otherwise, he'd have been paying for his own sin. But since he was able to live a perfect life and then die on the cross to pay for our sin, he promises us that he will give us credit for the perfect life he lived. And in doing that, he offers us the opportunity to be resurrected and to have an eternal life with him in heaven. And Jesus showed that he could do just that when after he died three days later, he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. And he says to us, in the meantime, I will be with you even to the very end of the age. And then that day we will be with him into the rest of eternity. Well, I want to encourage you to remember the gospel story with me. In remembering it, maybe some of you for the first time will say, I believe it. And you want to make a first time decision to receive the the blessing and to receive the forgiveness and to receive the grace that Jesus wants to give you. Well, I'm going to pray before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, and I want to encourage you to pray with me as we do that.
And for some of you, you've you've received for the first time, but this is just a time for you to really focus in and hone in and remember what it is Jesus has done for you as he makes you an overcomer through your troubles and, and through through this world. He overcomes the world and he invites us to come follow him as he does it. Well, well, for you, I want to encourage all of you as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're going to take uh, the bread and we're going to eat it and we're going to remember the life that Jesus gave for us. And if you're making a first-time decision today and, and you take and eat that bread, uh, just know that, that that's, well, that's one of the ways that we declare our faith in Jesus and his life and his death on the cross. And when you take that juice and drink it, uh, we want to encourage you to think about the blood that he shed on the cross, the blood of an overcomer, to give us the ability to overcome this world and to follow him as he overcomes this world. And I want you to drink that juice and remember again that this is our way of memorializing what Jesus has done. And if you made a first time decision to follow Jesus, this is another time where you're declaring, I believe in what Jesus has done for me. And so if you're in a place where you can, I'd love for you to join me. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to celebrate the Lord's Supper with this Lord's Supper kit. You have some crackers and juice nearby and and we'll do this together. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray that you will help us be overcomers. God, I thank you for this chance to spend the last several weeks thinking about faith and growing in faith. And God, I pray that you will help us all to grow in faith. God, I want to pray that you will have used this message. You will encourage people to be overcomers, to overcome in their faith. And God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for everything he's done for us, for his grace, for his goodness. We thank you that because of him, we can overcome. And God, I pray that you'll bless this time as we remember your life and remember your death and remember your blood and remember your resurrection and remember you as our overcoming Jesus. God, we believe in you. We have faith in you. We want to love you like you have loved us. We want to invite you to be in our lives to be our Savior, to be our grace giver. We want to invite you to be our overcomer and to help us become overcomers too. God, we invite you all these ways as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. So at this time, I'm going to take my Lord's Supper kit here and I'm going to take uh, the bread. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to invite you to eat it with me. Jesus told us to do this when we come together in his name. And and today we're together online. We're at this uh, metaphorical table together. And uh, we're remembering what Jesus has done for us. And so we'll take the bread. And if you're at home and you have a cracker or bread, uh, take it. And Jesus, he gave thanks. And uh, let's give thanks to God for, for Christ's body. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus' life, for his body that he gave for us on the cross. In his name we pray, amen. Let's celebrate together. And then Jesus took, uh, 
he took a cup of wine and he passed it around to his disciples and he said i want you to take this and drink it and and remember me and uh, i have i have a grape juice here uh, fermented wine or unfermented wine i guess you could say right it's just grape juice um and if you're at home and you have some grape juice you i would love to invite you to join me uh, so i'm going to drink this and this represents the blood and jesus passed it around too and he said this is the blood of the new covenant it represents it and really that's what uh, the lord's supper is it's a time of representing it's a time of memorial uh, memorializing it's a time of remembering what he did and so father i'm just going to pray father we give you thanks for the blood of christ that forgives us of our sin and that makes us overcome uh, let's let's celebrate and drink it together i'd like to invite you to pray with me one more time father in heaven we're so thankful for jesus christ thankful that you have overcome this world thankful that you can see past through farther and beyond all of our troubles and trials and tough times i pray father that you will help us overcome in faith and grow in faith as we go through all of our own tough times it's in jesus name everybody said together amen well, once again, I want to say thank you for joining me as we've gone through this teaching time. Thank you for staying with me here as we've gone through this uh, this uh, this Lord's Supper time. And I want to uh, finish up just by encouraging you, if this has been a blessing to you and, and this time has been a blessing to you, that uh, we're going to... Uh, encourage you if you'd like to help support what we've been doing to give to vernonia church and one of the ways that you can do that is you can go online at any time to www.vernonia.church and there you can hit a give tab and you can give and you can set up giving in a way that uh, you can give you know if you want to support these teachings you can do like a dollar a week you know a dollar per teaching and uh, i want uh, if, if you want to support us you could go online and you could set up any kind of giving I, I know most of us we do more substantial giving as part of our worship and our personal worship and if Vernonia Church has kind of become your online church then I would encourage you to think about doing something like that too you know we're called to give to the uh, to the church that we're a part of and maybe you're a part of Vernonia's online church and and maybe God wants you to support and be a part of this ministry in that way I want to say thank you to all of you that are giving to Vernonia Church there are a lot of you that are doing that and I want to say I'm proud of you and thank you for joining me and giving to Vernonia Church and joining me in worshiping Jesus through giving um, and so just want to say thank you to all of you who are giving and also let you know that your giving matters. Another way that you could give is you could go at, on your phone and you can text the word give. That's G-I-V-E. You can text it to 503-376-6646. And, and so you can text the word give to 503-376-6646. And that's another way that you can set up giving uh, and you could give to support Church. So once again, I want to say thank you to those of you who are giving, and I want to invite you to pray with me. Let's pray that God will continue to use this ministry and to continue to use us to reach out with people, to help people know the gospel, and to help people know how to have stronger faith. Uh, so let's pray together. 
Father in heaven, uh, we want to pray that you will uh, bless Vernonia Church. We want to pray that you will use the online teaching time and the online ministry, that you will help it grow, that you will broaden its impact and help us to reach more and more people with the message of the gospel, whether it's online or in person. I pray, Father, that you will bless the ministry of Vernonia Church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Hey, one thing that I did forget to mention is you have a link. Whatever uh, format you're listening to, there should be a link to a connection card. I would love for you, if you made a first-time decision today to believe in Jesus, or if you're here and you're here during the... uh, the the simulated live broadcast if you're here uh and you 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 join us later go ahead and and click that link and let us know that you are here fill out that uh that online connection card we do connection cards and in-person church and i just want to encourage you maybe use the connection card let us know you're here we've had people reach out to us it's been kind of cool uh i'm going to ramble just a little bit here but we've had people reach out to us and they're like hey i've i've been going to your church for over a year online i've never been there in person you've never met me but uh, we've been here and and it's just kind of cool when i get those kind of things and uh i i love seeing it i love hearing it and and so i would love for you to just let us know if you're still with us right now if you're still here go ahead and hit that uh hit that connection card let us know you're here maybe maybe send me a message uh, let, letting me know uh, um, about about yourself and and how you've been blessed by Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. We've had all kinds of cool experiences with that. We've baptized people that have never been to church before, but they were online, and God's been using it in cool ways. And so, uh, be sure to hit that connection card. All right, let's go ahead and finish up the way we finish up every Sunday, and we're going to declare it's been a great day. I don't know where you are. If you're at uh, in your car at home, uh, if you're in a place where you can join me in this i'm going to count to three and then we're all going to yell out it's been a great day together so here we go one two three it's been a great day hey i hope you have a great day and i look forward to seeing you next sunday